We've recently, the last couple of weeks, been talking about coming out of hiding and what that means and what that looks like for us as individuals, but also for us as a church. What does it look like and, uh, and how are we beginning to rebuild our lives as individuals, but also as a church and a body of Christ? Um, during lockdown, leading the church was extremely challenging. Um, lockdown was extremely challenging for all of us, right? Uh, as individuals, in our workplaces, and it's impacted some of us really significantly and others less so. Uh, and just being honest with you, you know, it, it has been challenging. You know, how do you, how do you try and gather and lead people, equip people, and, um, and, and reach out to people when you can't be with people? I mean, it's pretty, pretty challenging and, and has been over time. Um, as time has wore on, I think that the burden of it really came to a fore for us. And it was further amplified by just something that we'd been feeling for some time. And that was that our overall leadership structure or our leading of Carrick Fergus Vineyard needed some attention and needed some changes. And, um, and part of coming out of hiding or coming out into this new season, what I'm trying to convey this morning is, uh, is, is here's our leadership structure for us as a church as we come out and moving forwards to taking us to wherever it is that God is leading us into. And what I want to do, therefore, is, is just talk about leadership and how, what those changes are. But I want to frame it to begin with, uh, just a little bit biblically speaking from a leadership perspective. Leadership is highlighted throughout the Bible, and we find that right at the very beginning through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then on to obviously Joseph, and then many years passed, and then Moses led the people out of slavery, out of um, through the Exodus uh, time together, and then was passed on to Joshua. And then we had the centuries of the periods of the kings and the prophets and all of this just demonstrating that leadership is part and parcel of God's mandate for his people and that his people require man and woman to, uh, to lead uh, the people. Churches are led by people and they're under authority uh, first and foremost of the Holy Spirit and the and then most churches, but not all, have some kind of authority and oversight structure, which is led by man, providing accountability and a sounding board and a number of other uh, things. Uh, it's clear from the book of Acts, and especially from Paul's letters to the churches, uh, that church leadership was something that was extremely important, uh, that required a degree of encouragement and accountability. And the disciples, or later as they were known, the apostles, were the first church leaders. But all of the time as they planted and led and started new pockets where they saw the kingdom coming, where the kingdom was breaking out, the church of Jesus was established. But in those places, leadership was required to facilitate what the Lord was doing. Um, and it's clear that as we follow Jesus and as we are his disciples, it is clear that certain 
gifts are given to certain people uh, who are called to lead because not all are called to lead. Paul highlights certain spiritual gifts. There are lots of spiritual gifts found throughout the scriptures. There's four significant passages in the New Testament, but one of them in Ephesians chapter 4, which we're going to read through together, are sometimes referred to as the leadership gifts. And uh, we can read them. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he writes this. He says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. There's five spiritual gifts which are outlined there. And like I said, they're sometimes referred to or sometimes known as the leadership gifts. And the reason that Christ gives these gifts to certain individuals and certain people is to do the following, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. If you've been around church or been part of other churches before, you may have heard of this passage known as the fivefold ministry. We're not going to necessarily refer to it as that. Um, that's not so important. The important thing is to understand that, that God gifts each and every individual within the body of Christ, but to some, certain gifts are given to some people and some to others. And these are the individual gifts which are often given to those who are called to lead. Now, these gifts are given uh, in order to equip others for service. And you will have heard this said if you've been part of our church for some time. John Wimber, founding father of the Vineyard Church, he, on his, uh, on his um, gravestone, is etched on there, he equipped the saints. And that, for him, became his mandate. That, for him, became his kind of life's goal or what he sensed like the Lord had for him. And his job was to equip the saints and release others into ministry. You will know, because we've said it a million times, that everyone gets the play, which simply means that all of us, as we obey the voice of the Lord, we are all called to be disciples, which means apprentices to Jesus, that we become like him, but not that we just receive from him, but that we demonstrate whatever spiritual gifts or whatever talents or whatever that God has entrusted to us, that we serve other people, that we give away what God's entrusted to us. And that as we do that, the body of Christ is built up. And somewhere, somehow along generations, somehow within the church, I'm speaking more broadly now, what has tended to have happened in churches is that the paid professional who's up front does all the ministry. And everyone just sits there and does as they're told. And that's absolutely not the way it's supposed to be. The person or the people who are called to lead, our job and our role is to equip the saints, that's you folks, all of us, uh, equip you, give you whatever it is that God's entrusted to you for the sake of the kingdom. I was having a meeting with someone who's part of our church on uh, Friday, and uh, we had a walk and a talk together, and uh, this person, like many of us, have, uh, have had their challenges during lockdown, and we shared those, and we shared those a number of times through 
uh, meeting with this particular person and, um, uh, and phone calls and what have you, just staying in touch. This particular family as well endured great sadness through the loss of a loved one. And uh, we were chatting away, and just at the end of our time, I just said, you know, God's on you and your family for the sake of the kingdom. And I just began, it's just one of those moments when you feel like God's got something, not necessarily specific, because there wasn't anything specific, but it just felt like in that conversation as I was just speaking, I was just speaking words of life saying, God is on you for the sake of the kingdom. And you're going to be tuning in and listening to what he's saying. And we're going to have a conversation in a few weeks' time, in a few months' time. And it's going to be along the lines of, I sense like God's called me to fill in the blanks. And that stuff just excites me so much. What, when I come alive most is when I see individuals, and I'm looking at so many of you who I know and I love and I've journeyed with, and I, and I just see, oh my goodness. See, when you begin to do that, oh, you come alive. And I come alive as I watch you come alive, as you do what God's made you for. Just love it. Just love it. So part of uh, biblical leadership is about equipping, equipping, releasing, saying, yes, you can do it. Yes, you haven't got your life all together. Yes, you still trip up and you sin and you... And yes, you've got difficulties, and yes, you're, you're caring for other people, and you've got... But yes, you're called, and obey. Obey the voice of the Lord, and don't let fear stand in the way of what God's calling you and entrusting you to. We love to give wings, let you fly. That's a bit corny, isn't it? But I'm sure there's probably a song about that, but... Anyway, moving swiftly on, all that stuff's never in the notes, is it? Now, when we talk about leadership, sometimes people get a bit funny about it. And I understand why we get a bit funny about it. And that's because we've experienced poor leadership in the past. And um, I don't want to rubbish our political system here. But we can look, can't we, and be, let's be honest and say, you know, goodness, there are some folks who lead well. They lead with integrity. They lead by work. They lead with the sake of others in mind. And then we can look and think and go, oh my goodness, really? We've seen it in the business world. We've seen it in churches. We've seen it in schools. We've seen it in all kinds of manners of culture and society where we go. And we've seen, we've experienced, we've been on the receiving end of poor leadership. And often it's centered around the ego and the motivation of those who are leading. Not so should it be when it comes to biblical leadership because it's not the Jesus way. The Jesus way of leadership was, is washing the feet of others. Uh, during uh, the meal of the Last Supper, hours before the cross, John 13, 14, we read in John's gospel, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Before the cross, Jesus humbles himself and he demonstrates again, as he did again and again and again, brilliant leadership. He demonstrates what it means to be a leader and that is to serve others, to love others. And he takes the lowest uh, posture and position he could be and he washes the feet of the disciples. Leaders are servants within the church. And whilst we as Vineyard Church have an Episcopalian model of church leaders, that's a really fancy word, it really simply means like a hierarchical kind of style of leadership. We want to be leading in the opposite manner. I hope we have an image here. Uh, there we go. So on the uh, right-hand side, there's the typical kind of leadership. I need to be careful as I lean out here. Typical leadership structure, that would be embarrassing, uh, where we have kind of the top down. That is the hierarchical kind of, you know, you have the person at the top and then those underneath and then those underneath and those underneath. But whereas we within the servant leadership structure, it's a similar structural thing in terms of there are those who are sort of appointed above, but actually it's the opposite way around. We want to serve those who are um, in front of us, those who are around us. And so actually sometimes we, we've uh, sort of said, you know, within the church, sometimes uh, in vineyard churches, the, the pastor might get called the senior pastor or the lead pastor. And it's not necessarily a role that we talk, goodness, when you call me pastor, I rebuke you because I still struggle with it. Especially if you call me Pastor Paul, I'll want to take your head off um, in love. Um, and actually, what would be a much more apt kind of title would be lead servant or senior servant. Because really, that is the way in which we want to be leading, is to love and to serve others. So that's really just a little bit of kind of biblical context to the way and the style of leadership. Now, lots of churches, goodness, you look in the 26 churches that there are in Carrickfergus, and if we were to compare them, there are lots of different structures and what have you, and none are right and none are wrong. Uh, some, are, some have their strengths, some have their weaknesses and what have you. I want to just provide a little bit of context to where we've come from in the last nearly 11 years and then share with you uh, what we're choosing for the next number uh, or next amount of time, as it were. When we first planted the church, there were just literally a few of us, and it was really easy. And uh, Chantelle and myself, we knew Steve and Elaine well, and we'd invited Phil and Hannah Shaw over from England, who, and they moved over and were with us for five years. We, we had Brian and Jude with us in the, in the earlier year or so. And it was just easy because things were small. It wasn't so serious. We all knew each other. We loved each other. We just got on great. And we were doing the stuff. Like we were in the trenches literally doing the work. And it was almost like we didn't need to have meetings because we just saw each other because we were doing it all the time. And things seemed to work really well. And there was just great chemistry. And um, 
uh, and ability to kind of lead structurally that way. Uh, as time wore on, the, the, the Shaws uh, left and they went back to England and that was totally the right move for them. And, uh, and, and Andy and Andrea Howard, they came on board for, I'm going to guess and probably be wrong, but at least a couple of years, I would say. And uh, they led alongside us as well. And then they left and they moved to, uh, to Larn and uh, they're leading Antrim Coast Vineyard. We're thrilled for them. I know that many of you are still in contact, pray for them and sometimes visit what they're doing. And it's just been absolutely brilliant. Um, and then, of course, sadly, just over two years ago, our dear friend Steve passed away. And uh, so there's been just a number of things, a number of changes that have kind of taken place over time. Uh, we formed what was called a wider leaders group um, just over two years, maybe three years ago or so. And it was made up of a number of quality leaders within our church. And, uh, and it worked to a certain degree, but it had its limitations. And some of those limitations were really my fault because I didn't really set out clear expectations uh, for those who were part of the group and part of the team. And actually what ended up happening was that much of leadership still sort of centered around myself and Chantel as we were leading. And we didn't really involve and hear the voices of those that were part of that group and part of that team. So it kind of comes to the point where the pandemic hit and we just got on with business and uh, Chantelle and I did our best and uh, Gillian and Jules, they did their best alongside us and we, we, we led together as a staff and just did what we could and like Chantelle said, we're experimenting, we're still experimenting. And uh, that has been, in many ways, uh, the way things have gone for a certain time. As time has wore on, it just became really, really clear to us that, we, that things needed to change. And they needed a change for our sake because we needed other people to weigh in. We needed people alongside us who were going to journey with us, bear weight, and carry the load, but also share in decision-making and what have you. We also needed it for your sake because it's not healthy that so much was being centered just around us and it was never our intention and never actually our sweet spot. We love people dearly and we are good when we're around other people and uh, we're not so good just left our own devices as, uh, as our staff team will tell you because we tend to bicker. It's not that funny. <laughs> and so what we have decided, and this is after significant consultation, uh, we spoke at length with Ivan Skinner and, um, and with Laura Farrell, who are both part of our uh, board of directors, which I'll explain a little bit about in a moment. We had three very long Zoom meetings and it was just so helpful as we questioned, as we teased out, as we tried to articulate what we felt was needed for this next season. So we have uh, formed a pastoral leadership team made up of certain individuals from within our church 
who I'm going to share with you at some point soon. Their role is specific. It is to strengthen our pastoral care amongst our church. The team will be made up of some of our best pastoral leaders who are already leading and carrying weight in certain areas across the church. Our role together is to, to discern what the Lord is saying and leading us into. Instead of just simply going, oh yeah, that seems like a good idea, it's trying to take a step back and discern how is he leading us, how is he guiding us. Part of the team's responsibility will be to handle church disputes where there is conflict and where any discipline is required, where we need to step in and intervene. We'll be there to dream together and cast a vision to uh, take what we sense the Lord is saying, but also to share and cast a vision for what we sense he is leading us into. The role of the team is, as I've already mentioned, and that's the bear weight, to lead not just the ministry or group that they're responsible for, but to carry the overall big picture of where the church is at and all facets of church life and to carry and journey with us in that. And then to make key critical decisions. And so that is kind of the role of the team. And uh, here they are in no particular order. We hope we have some images. Who's up first? Oh, look at those two there. So we have Kate and Dave Crosby, uh, who've been part of our church now for quite a while. Uh, Kate is in charge of our Compassion Ministries. She gives of her uh, own time volunteering at least four hours a week. And uh, together with Dave, they lead life groups and have done significantly over lockdown. And uh, these guys are also going to be coaching and supporting some of our life groups as well. Who else we got? We've got Johnny and Jenny, or Jenny and Johnny. Who knows? We certainly value women in leadership. Of course, we do. And these guys have been uh, friends of ours for many years, and they've been with us as a church since day one. They lead our welcome team. They are known by many of you, and you know, many of you know them and they have led uh, groups before. Jenny is incredibly creative and has brilliant, brilliant ideas often. She was incredibly supportive and caring and loving of us over these last couple of years in the most special way. Johnny also uh, taking me out for walks and uh, buying me coffee and checking in to see how we're doing. So, uh, and this, I'm, they're not in the notes, by the way. I hope I don't. I hope I do everyone justice. Here we go. It's women first here. What is going on? Who put these photographs together? <laughs> Jackie. We have Philippa and Mark Sergener, who've been part of our church. No joke, day one, when they came to our church, which I'm going to guess six years ago, seven years ago. There you go. It was during July or August they came and literally Sergi being Sergi was like, yeah, this is our church. Like day one, no joke, that was it. First time, that's us, we'll be there. These guys uh, are fabulous, 
Philippa leads our REACH women's team and uh, has led some fantastic life groups, is leading life groups. She's going to be overseeing a couple of our life groups. Sergi, I know I give him a hard time, and much of it is deserved. Uh, but being totally truthful with you, he's the most teachable bloke I know. I've been brutally honest with him on uh, things that I see, and he responds wonderfully, without a fight, without an argument, holds his hands up and goes, fair play. That's a mark often of a disciple, of someone who's willing to be seen and to be led and leads and has led these guys here as they lead the worship just fabulously whilst juggling a job which uh, takes him here, there and everywhere. Okay, who's next? Ah, we needed some age and experience in the team. <laughs> and whilst Dave kind of rose the numbers, we thought we needed to uh, bring it. <laughs> <laughs> we could find we've got no team at the end of this. Huh? We have Gail and Ivan Skinner. These guys have been part of our church for a good number of years. They are wise and godly and just incredible people who have experienced both um, wonderful things in life and some difficult things in life. And they still love each other, and they still love Jesus. Uh, Ivan is part of our board and has been for a good number of years. Together they've led groups, which are fantastic. And they also uh, will be overseeing some of our groups as well. And last but not least, Chantel. Look at my teeth. What's going on with my teeth? <laughs> I look like I've had my teeth whitened or something. That is awful. Did you take that picture? Did you like brush it up a bit or something? Oh my goodness, look at the state of that. I look like I'm really suntanned as well. Um, so that's us. Okay. Chantel is the most incredible woman. She's led the church since day one. She puts up with me, and uh, there we go. Uh, I am sure that none of those will have come as a shock to any of you. All well-known, respected leaders, they're not perfect. They're not free from baggage, sin. They're not, um, they haven't got it all together, but they love each other, they love Jesus, and they really love the body of Christ, and that's our church. And they love us, and they really care for us. And collectively, um, we think it's going to work, and it's going to work well. We're going to meet every six weeks. We're going to set an agenda each time. Uh, it will be highly relational, um, but there will be specific things that we will attend to and we'll make some kind of record of decisions that we make. What other leadership structures exist? May as well do this while we're here. It's important that you know that we have a staff, which is made up of Chantelle and myself as we lead. Uh, Gillian Grant is our children's pastor, and uh, 
Uh, that's her job, or has been for a good number of years now. She goes into schools as part of her role. She uh, leads incredible events and has done for many years over the years. And so many of our young people now who are thriving is as a result of the investment that she has made in our children when they were children and continues to do that. And then we have Jules. Uh, we should have had pictures of them. That's my fault. <laughs> Jules is going, no. Maybe Gillian, I don't know. Um, Jules came on board, uh, I'm going to guess, two and a half years ago, there or thereabouts, uh, in an administrative capacity. And uh, she's taken on our finances as well and just does a stunning, stunning job. Goes over and above um, what she is um, employed for. Then we have our board of directors, our trustees. I really should have done photographs on this. I'm sorry. Um, we, we are a company with charitable status. That's how our church is structured. Uh, our accounts are filed at company's house every year and uh, with the charity commission. Myself is on the board with Ivan. Laura Farrell is our chair. And then Michelle Scott, who is a uh, senior leader, senior pastor of Dungannon Vineyard, she's on our board. And then a gentleman called Stevie McCann, who uh, is part of Causeway Coast Vineyard Church. The five of us are the board. And we meet at least three times a year, sometimes as much as five or six times a year. And our role is governance, it's finance, it's employment, it's buildings, it's policies. It's really exciting stuff. And they don't get paid £5,000 a year to do the job, for those of you that might have picked that up at one point. Uh, it's completely voluntary. And then, of course, we have our life group leaders who uh, chop and change from term to term. And their role is an incredibly important role in, in terms of pastoral care, but also in discipleship. And they will change from season to season or term to term. And then we have our ministry leaders, individuals that lead specific groups or specific areas of church life. And that really is how we do leadership here in the church. I'm going to try and draw this to an end. First of all, if you have any questions, please, we'd say this all the time, is please come and ask a question. Ask it to myself or to Chantel or now to any of our pastoral leaders. You can now go to them and ask and inquire if you have any. I would ask you to do two things for us as leaders. The first one is Hebrews 13 verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Leading is costly. It is sacrificial. It does encroach on personal lives. It takes up time. It takes up energy. It takes a lot of burden and cost, emotionally speaking. I remember when, I, when we moved to Coleraine, 
uh, friend Alan Scott that used to lead the church at Causeway Vineyard used to say, used to use this phrase that being a leader is like signing up to being ugly. And I was a bit like, what you've all done, kind of figuring that out. What what what's he mean? And as you begin to understand that, it's like no one wants that. And yet it's our obedience that we are. And but yet it is costly. Do this that our work would be a joy and not a burden. And then secondly, I'd ask you as a church, and we're going to do this in a minute, is taken from 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And I would invite you to pray for our leaders. What I would like us to do is to do that right now. And um, so uh, would you come and join me, Chantel? So would you guys, um, Dave, Kate, Mark and Philippa, Ivan, Gail, sorry, I can see the white in your eyes, Gail, and uh, Johnny and Jenny, who've positioned themselves brilliantly at the back. That was outstanding. Would you just stand for us um, we're going to pray but I'm inviting you as the body of Christ to join us as we pray as we pray for these guys but as we commission them to the task um, which they're appointed so let's pray so Lord we thank you for these individuals we thank you that you have called them by name, that you have called them to this task, for this season, for this place, for this church. We ask, God, that you would fill them with your spirit. Fill them, empower them, give them, entrust to them authority that comes from heaven. That they would lead diligently that they would lead humbly, that they would lead with integrity. Pray that you'd bless them. We commend them to you. Lord, I just uh, thank you that you've called each one of us here as part of this body to love you first and to love one another and to love the lost and the broken in our area it's where we live and in this area of Carrick Fergus and Lord I just pray that you would bless us as we lead as we as we do that ourselves and as we equip the saints to do that Lord to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord, in this place. And I just pray, Lord, that us as leaders and us as this body of Christ would see lives change, would see people come to faith, would see broken hearts healed, because, Jesus, you have given that to us and we want to give it away. 
So, Lord, we're, we're just saying we're your servants. These guys are your servants. And we just want to do what we can to see your kingdom lifted high in this place, God, and to see lives transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we just submit ourselves to you as leaders, Lord, and as this church again. I just feel like we're recommissioning ourselves after the upheaval of this last two years to say, okay, we're, we're in again, we're doing this again, Lord, because we love you and we want to see you move. So, Lord, would you move? Thank you, Jesus. Amen.